It's time to bite the bullet. You're listening to Fully Loaded with Julie Wilson. Hi, I'm Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith. This is Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Hey, this is Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. You're listening to Fully Loaded with Julie Wilson.
now that is real rock and roll, folks. That is the original Mama Ken by Aerosmith, the very first single they ever came out with back in 1973, a little before my time, but uh, still my favorite Aerosmith track nonetheless. Um, thanks for joining me. I'm Julie Wilson. This is Fully Loaded with Julie Wilson. And um, I started out the show today with an Aerosmith song on purpose. Uh, well, my purpose is twofold. Number one, they're Aerosmith and they're fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh, number two is um, I want to talk for a minute about Steven Tyler. I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple years ago here in L.A. Such a pleasure to be around. He was bright, he was smart, he was kind. His cognitive function was so clear. And it fascinated me because what he's been through and what he's put his body through over the years, to have such a crystal clear conversation with him and to see how aware he was, it fascinated me. I have the same fascination with Nikki Six, just a brilliant businessman, father, philanthropist, um, but just was a heroin junkie <laughs> for so many years. The fact that these two men have been, been able to bounce back from such depths is admirable, to say the least, and makes me question whether or not they're human. <laughs> but, um, but I don't have a personal experience with addiction, um, myself, of course, I've known people, and unfortunately, even in my family, who have battled addiction to various substances. Um, so I can sympathize with what happens. I can't empathize with this disease. Um, what can drive someone to pretty much risk everything they have for a high, which is what Steven Tyler did, pretty much lost everything and then came back Um after recovering from this horrific disease, because that's what it is. It's, it's a disease, which I think even goes deeper than the substance. But I brought someone in here who has had um, an experience with it himself. And uh, this is a colleague of mine and a coworker. Um, a lot of you are familiar with the company that I have um, created uh, with my partners called Be True Organics, B-E-T-R-U, Organics with an S dot com. And um, one of my colleagues here, Jake Oliveras. Am I saying your last name correctly? Close enough. Okay. Um, Jake has an amazing story, and he has been on the dark side, um, faced addiction, um, ha- lost everything, and gained back his health and vitality. Um, and it's, it's, it's very admirable. Jake, what what were you addicted to? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate being able to speak on behalf of anybody that's dealt with this before. Um, for me, it was the oh, narcotic opiate analgesics. Uh, when I played football, <clears throat> they basically doled them out like candy. Now, I'm not trying to blame anybody. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When you played football, be so, specific. So when I played collegiate football in uh, Oklahoma... Back in 2007 to 2011, I had several injuries, um, disc injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, all requiring some sort of anti-inflammatory. Well, starts with that, and then if you don't get the relief you're needing, so you have to work your way up the scale, 
eventually for me that meant, you know, I had two bulging discs, so <clears throat> I was pretty much constantly on pain medication. So the thing is, is you take those long enough and it actually rewires your brain chemistry to where you're not in control anymore. Mm-hmm. So those specific, I would say opiates in general, but more pharmaceutical opiates because I thought, hey, this is something the doctor's giving me. This is something that it's okay to take. This is Right, you don't think it's bad. You're, it's not like you're putting a heroin needle in your arm. Exactly. This guy's got a PhD at the end of his name. He <laughs> must know something that I don't. It's got to be safe. Well, <clears throat> fast forward to one extra injury that put me out of football, and the opiates didn't go away. The pain st- stuck around, you know, and I had become fundamentally unable to live without that constant uh, support of some sort of opiate. Being sedated, basically. Anesthetizing yourself. And how fast do you think you became addicted after the first pill? Mm, It's a good question. You know, I don't think it's exactly like a cognitive shift that you're really aware of because if you were then you wouldn't let it devolve as far as it does um for me it was just a safe place you know i went from this position of so much pain and not knowing how to to move and operate and what am i going to do to oh i feel great now i can take on anything and so you just kind of trick yourself for long enough until it's like you're a slave, and it's the best way to put it, because uh, if you stop taking them, you feel like you're going to die. So without the wow. without the actual education and the ability to know what you're actually putting in your body, uh, you're going to be a slave to that process until you figure something else out. Well, and, you know, unfortunately, this you're not alone, Jake. I mean, there are so many people dealing with this. Um, I think I read somewhere that there are more people dying per year now from opiate overdose, not even overdose, just opiate complications, than car accidents. Mm-hmm. That's insane in this nation, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's on the rise. You're not alone. And I really feel like we need to start creating, instead of so much shame for people who have become addicted because it happens so fast and easy, um, it, giving them more support Absolutely. and helping them cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was the turnaround for you? What happened to where you said, hey, I got to get help. I got to get sober. Uh, well, I was looking at my life from a top-down view. Um, you know, I got a pretty good brain in my head, so I'm, I, I think that I'm capable of doing anything. But, you know, if you're honest with yourself, and you look at where your life is now compared to where your life was when you felt like you had some semblance of control. It's just, you know, you look at it from that point of view. I'm trying to think exactly the best way to put this. Because I know you don't, like you said earlier, it's not like you're, if you thought of it and knew what you were doing, you would stop it. Absolutely. You, you start to spiral and one turns to two and two turns to three. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are moving from the opiate, the, the prescription opiates onto heroin and street drugs because it's a cheaper alternative. Absolutely. 
and probably more, more pure in its own right than the pharmaceuticals. So, you know, it, but nobody says, hey, I want to stick a needle in my arm to feel better. It just, it kind of graduates. So I, I'm always fascinated to ask, what was that moment of realization? You know, sometimes people say before they got sober, they had to hit rock bottom. Um, did you have a rock bottom that you remember? And at that moment, did you say, okay, what am I going to do? And how did you get clean? Well, like if, if somebody's listening, give them some advice as to how you made the switch. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, you hear a lot about rock bottom. Um, once you get into, like, the recovery process, you realize that there's no such thing as rock bottom. There's always another bottom that you can always fall to. For me, it was, you know, being in an industry, I, mean, I was waiting tables, nothing against that, but, you know, I have way more potential, personally, than just bringing people food. Um, and so... For me, I had a month left on my father's insurance, and I was looking at this as like, okay, so if I can't, you know, I was being honest with myself. Uh, I knew I had a problem, and the, say funny now, but the funny thing was is like prior to having this job, I had two other jobs that like successfully or consecutively got worse. You know, I had a good job, got fired because of drugs, you know, not as good job, got fired because of drugs, and it's like... Now, let me ask you, did you get fired because you were high on the on the job, or because you didn't, you failed a piss test, or... Uh, it, it was more of a, a lack of dependability. Okay. You know, makes you not, you can't be there, you know, mm -hmm. you've got other priorities. You're not very tenacious when you're high. Uh, I mean, I would <laughs> say I was pretty tenacious, but it was... Um, a facade, you know, that that wasn't really me, that was the drug speaking for me. Right. And at some point, I mean, I know there's people they call high-functioning addicts, but at, at a certain point that can't be maintained because you have so much on your plate and the very basis of getting any of that done is the fact that you have that chemical in your body. Mm -hmm. So take that away and you're a mess you know that's part of the reason I've been fired from a couple of them you know if I wasn't where I needed to be to operate then I was an asshole you know plain and simple like it, people don't like being around people that are detoxing withdrawing you know and without any awareness oh, excuse me without any awareness of what's going on it's just you just keep taking it on day mm -hmm. after day and um you know, people can see around you what's going on, but usually you think you know the situation better than anybody else, and then you have this outside force that's saying the same thing, like, you got this. It's a vicious circle. Absolutely, and it just it just keeps repeating itself. Uh, but for me, it was, I kept telling myself, okay, if I lost this job, then I'll go get clean. All right, I lost that job, and I just wasn't ready yet, because... If you're not ready, you're not ready. It's not mm -hmm. going to work. You know, I've been approached a couple times from parents saying, you know, we, we see a problem, we want to take care of it, but I thought I knew better. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't go then because it would have been a waste of money, effort, time. And I would have probably just been a really good addict after that because there's a lot of, you know, knowledge you learn at these places. And if you're not ready, then you just learn how to successfully use until yeah, you are ready. Yeah, I've heard that it's, before. It's insane. That's why I'm not a real big advocate for um, intervention because, you know, not that you don't want to help a loved one, but, and you know, and I've had loved ones who were 
addict, so I've, I've been to some Al-Anon cl- classes and, or I guess meetings, <laughs> not classes, but, you know, and it's, it's talked about enabling and all these other things that you don't realize as someone who's outside. Absolutely. And until someone's really personally ready, um, you can't push them. So, okay, so let's go back to the fact that you realized that you were not living up to your full potential. Something clicked inside of you. You said, hey, I don't want to be a server of food for the rest of my life. I want to do something else. So you decided to get clean. What did you do? Did you go to rehab? Well, uh, first of all, I, you know, I had a good personal buddy that had just been going through the same thing, and I, I didn't really know his full story about what had gone on, but I knew that something had changed just from looking at his Facebook statuses and you know seeing checking in on him. And so come to find out, he'd gone to Florida to get clean, and uh, I was in a moment of pure desperation. I was living with one of my coworkers, just kind of like living there for free, watching his kid. You know, it wasn't a situation that I would ever want to be in ever again. And so I had a genuine opportunity at that point. Um, the disparity was at an all-time high. Uh, I got a hold of him and I said, what, are you, what did you do? Some, I got to do something different. What I'm doing is not working. Uh, he put me in touch with a couple of people, um, one of them being uh, a pretty big, reputable name and getting, uh, I guess a, a good way to say is like getting heads into mm-hmm. rehab. He actually gets like a finder fee and this whole thing. But he, had, he made a good point and he's like, listen, all of your suffering is taking place in Oklahoma. Like you're well connected with everybody, you know, where I'm from, grew up, born and raised. And, I was just, I, if I wanted to find anything, I could, you know. It's just, if one about enough, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you have to get out of Oklahoma. Bottom line, first things first, get out of there, step away from the situation, you know, not necessarily long term. Uh, but get okay. away, you know. That makes and, sense, get away from, plus also the friends are there. and the, yeah, it's, You know, and if you're not dedicated to, like, deleting all those numbers and, like, really doing it, like... And even if you do delete them, you know, you're, you could cross paths with the people that you potentially did all of this suffering together, yeah. you know. Uh, so I, I, I count myself as very blessed uh, to have wound up in a great facility uh, out in Los Angeles. I guess it's Hollywood Hills. It's called the Hills Treatment Facility. And, uh, and that's why you moved out here absolutely. was for that. Okay. Yeah, so... I. Originally, the plan was to come out here and just get clean and then kind of go from there. But, <clears throat> you know, my dad's actually from Alhambra, you know, a little suburb of Los Angeles. So uh, my grandma had a spot available in her house. And it, it, it's like I had this genuine opportunity to, you know, I said, hey, either I can go back to Oklahoma and throw caution to the wind or, you know, utilize these uh, opportunities that have been afforded to me and, and start over essentially and, and, and build a new and, and right the wrongs that, you know, the transgressions in the past and basically, you know, not necessarily a clean slate because you're always, ha- you know, you'll always have the past, but uh, it definitely gave me at least a new perspective. Uh, being in a blue state helps mm-hmm. compared to being in a red state. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, 
being out here was one of the best choices I could have ever made. And how long ago was that? That would be three years now, a little over three years. And you've been clean ever since. Absolutely. Thank God. Right? Thank God. Thank God. And you know, you're so motivated now. I see you come to work. You're excited. You have a great attitude. You're you're hungry. Um, you know, and this is, think about where you'd be had you not took your life into your hands and did better for yourself. Like, I'm grateful and I know I'm sure you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you can always play that what if game, but, um, you know, a lot of people look back on their mistakes and sometimes they have shame or regret and there's obviously going to be that with mistakes, but for me, I, I look at my mistakes and realize like, oh my God, like had I not made these mistakes in the order I had made them, I would never have been out here in the mm -hmm. place that I am today. So it's like, yeah, I learned a hard lesson, but I'm so thankful for that lesson to have been taught to me when it was and that, you know, I was paying attention because it stuck, some part of it stuck at least. Of course. And one thing that I, I love about you, too, and, and one thing that we share and have in common is, is a passion for, you know, raw, organic, vegan, natural foods, herbs, um, you know, the fact that we are in a business now that we are selling products that have CBD in it, which, you know, for those of you tuning in that aren't really sure about what we're doing at Be True Organics, um, CBD is the non-psychoactive component of the cannabis plant. Uh, ours is hemp-derived, and there is no psychoactive properties in it, no THC, which is what gets you high. Um, this is basically hemp oil, but it has such a slew of amazing health benefits. It's also been shown to help take cravings away from addicts. So there's a whole new realm there that maybe we could help people with by giving them some organic, natural CBD products that could help take those cravings away and not give them the high like THC does because that's the last thing they need at that stage um, to heal and heal the body. And, um, and you know, I think that, that that probably attributes to a lot of your brain health, the CBD, and um, just the way that you eat too, like the raw foods, the juicing, um, the herbs. What kind of herbs do you take? Uh, as far as herbs, you know, I like to stay up on anything that's going to, like, clean the system. Now, I will give all the credit to my girlfriend, you know. She's the one <laughs> Of course. Stuff. So, uh, <laughs> um, turmeric, curcumin. Um, Those are really good anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. uh, ginger. I mean, I know that's not necessarily an herb, but, like, ginger, lemon juice. There's it's that, a superfood, though. It's insane. It's like there's such there's little key things that we all know about that... If we utilize them in the correct terms, you know, we can easily make our lives more efficient and easy to navigate. Well, and there's natural alternatives to all of these medications we pump ourselves full of. And I think the one thing you and I talk, you know, spoke about another time off the air was uh, how these medications hurt the stomach lining and the liver and the organs and they start to deteriorate everything and even to the point of creating holes in the stomach so rebuilding your you know when you come off of drugs like that and you go through rehab and you cleanse your body then it's time to rebuild your body probiotics um healing yourself from the inside out and 
you know, turmeric, ginger, all of the things, um, digestive enzymes. I love cabbage juice for stomach disorders. All of those things can kind of rebuild the GI tract and and start, you know, improve your immune system and get your function back. Because like you said, the nutrients are leaving through these holes in your system. And so the little bit of food that you do eat on when you're on drugs is still not getting to you, which is why so many drug addicts look malnourished. Um, they have a small appetite. The, the little bit of food they do eat, they don't get the proper nutrition from. Oh, I was testosterone deficient and vitamin D deficient. It's just like that stereotypical, like, welcome to opiates. You know? Wow. You know, I just read something, too, that, um, and I don't like to quote things. I don't research hardcore, and I did not research this hardcore, but I did get it from a reputable source um, about newfound studies that have shown that that children that have developed autism, there is a lot higher chance and probability for the autism to be developed when there is a vitamin D deficiency in the mother. And with the increase in drug consumption, with the decrease in vitamin D, we are very deficient in vitamin D, even out here in sunny California. Um, it is causing, you know, that combined with the vaccinations and everything else. We won't get into that. But, you know, we're talking about an autism used to be something that you barely heard of. And now all of these kids have it. And come on, I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to see there's a correlation something. between all of this that's going on. Something. I think that's the million-dollar question, you know. Uh, if we could get the, you know, actual research on these GMO products that aren't funded by special interest groups that have something to gain from these research projects, then, you know, we might actually <clears throat> gain some footing on that. But until then, you know, mainstream America is going to see, ah, see that research right there? Mm -hmm. They say GMOs don't hurt anybody. There's no data to support it. Well, there is. It's just you got to know where to look and you have to see, you know, check the source as usual. And I think the important thing, too, is to really taking your own health into your own hands, being your own personal shaman. You know, it doesn't mean you can't. I like to I like to have a healthy view in the middle. I do believe there's a place for medicine here um, at times. I mean, my husband almost cut his finger off Christmas Eve and going to the emergency room and having them sew it back together was, you know, amazing that the doctors can put your nerves back together. And so there is a need for you know, medicine that we have now here in this country, but it's so over-dependent upon and to the point of going for every little thing and getting on a prescription drug for every little thing. And I think, you know, it's like when you drive your car and something's wrong, it's rattling around and it's, it's not driving the way it used to, you know it, you take it to the, a mechanic and they don't ever drive your car, even though they're a professional mechanic they can't get in your car and feel there's something wrong. And you could say, no, there's a rattling. It wasn't there before. I feel that medical doctors are the same way. A lot of times you know more what's wrong with your body than they do. And by doing your own research and being aware, and being aware, I mean, off of the drugs, off of the, the heavy metals, the fluorides, the, you know, getting your mind crystal clear, unclogging your pineal gland, and really tapping into your body you're able to diagnose yourself easier 
and with more efficiency than just, oh, I don't feel very good. I'm going to go to a doctor. And then you get a one size fits all prescription. And, you know, it's, 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 where they're taking their vacations. it's a vicious cycle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, I think just drawing a healthy medium between the two and understanding, the t- I mean, you are in control. You're not powerless. Absolutely. You're not powerless. That's a, that's a powerful notion, you know, um, most Western medicine, I feel like it's great for an emergency, um, but it's not going to cure the problem at hand. It's going to treat some of the symptoms so they can keep you a lifelong customer of buying their, <laughs> their pharmaceuticals, but they're not going to actually make you better. And so if you're looking at that form of medicine, well, as I was with dissatisfaction, you're like, okay, something isn't right here. Somebody's not telling me the truth because, like, I see healthy people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, there's got to be a way to do this. And I, and, I mean, there's probably ways within Western medicine to do it, but I think that there's a lot of bias and there's a lot of, you know, special interests mm-hmm. at hand as usual. So Unfortunately, there's always corruption at the top when there's money and power involved. And, you know, I'm, I also don't advocate running through life being paranoid, but I do think we need to be aware. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said brilliantly, you know, treating symptoms does not make us better. And I think I, I like to use the analogy of if you have a leaky sink and you just put, you know, you wrap it in a rag to stop the leaking, you're not fixing the leak. And with these pharmaceutical drugs, they're just putting a they're masking the symptom. And our bodies are so amazing. They talk to us without speaking. Mm-hmm. So when your body, if, if you lose all pain receptors and you cut your foot while you're walking in the sand, you could die and bleed to death. So your foot sends you pain signals on purpose to tell you, hey, some, fix this so you don't die. Right. So when you have internal pain, it's the same thing. The body is just talking to you. It's communicating. And you've got to learn how to listen. And if you can learn how to dig deep and start to mend and repair what's going on, then the symptoms start to fade away. You know, I have a friend who had constant pain in her joints, nonstop. She was young, beautiful, fit, active, did not know where the pain was coming from. She didn't have arthritis. She didn't even have much inflammation. They just couldn't explain where the pain was coming from. She started drinking green juice every day. One glass in the morning, fresh green juice. Her pain went away. I believe it. She stopped green juicing a little bit, came back. Pain came back. She's like Yeah, well, and then she started supplementing with the CBD, like our like what's in our soul spray. She was doing all organic, uh, all natural CBD and uh, hemp oil and green juice. And now she's pain-free. She can wear high heels all day long. Her feet don't hurt. (laughs) So, I mean, these are, you know, the doctors wanted to put her on pain meds. Always, yeah, absolutely. You know? Vacations are sponsored by Pfizer, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, like I said, I don't blame the general public for not knowing and for putting their trust in their doctors. I don't even really blame a lot of the doctors because I think that they're just doing what they were taught. Um, I think the corruption is at the top, not in the middle. And I think that we just need to be educated. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're a walking testimony for somebody who can do it. Now, you're, you're 
are 100% raw foodist? Uh, no, I, I, not currently. That, that eventually would be the goal. You know, honestly, <laughs> my goal is to be able to eat the sunlight eventually, but that's <laughs> another story for another day. But, you know, you are what you eat. And everything that I've seen as far as the raw vegan diet goes is, you know, you're taking in these plants and, and vegetables and fruits that are as close to alive as possible. So you're putting in essentially living organisms into your body. And it just, you know, I saw this YouTube video of this lady that is 75 years old. She looks like she's 40 because since she was 25, she's been doing the raw vegan food diet. And her husband looks like he's 75 because he loves mm-hmm. to eat meat. And I'm like, is that not enough testament right there that this is the fountain of youth? Like, look at her skin. Mm-hmm. Look, at, look at, I mean, she doesn't look like a 75-year-old. And, you know, I was like, there's got to be something to this because we're all fat and sick. What's the common denominator? And well, and, and you know, the, I'm glad you brought that up because just being vegan isn't the cure because I've met so I like to call them french fry vegans that they're emaciated, pasty, sick looking, their teeth are falling out, their hair's falling out and you know that's not healthy either. So having the superfoods, the green juices, the 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 raw sprouted seeds and nuts and all of this, you know, the different colors of food, not just the brown fries, potatoes. You know, and number 4. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, you know, really fueling your body. And, like, I, I transformed my body on the raw food diet years ago. And I read a book that just made so much sense to me is when you take a seed and you put a flame under it and then you plant the seed, it never grows. It's dead. So if you take a food and, you, and an herb or anything and you heat it to really high temperatures... You destroy those, the, the, the living enzymes. And so when you're ingesting dead food constantly, now our bodies are miraculous, so we could digest freaking styrofoam if we ate it, but our body would, it would take a long time to break it down and we would have to, our, your pancreas has to work overtime to secrete all of these enzymes. All of this stuff has to work. So when your body's working so hard to break down white bread, starches, meats, refined sugars, it doesn't have time to clean up other things. So you're getting pain, inflammation, and cancerous tumors and all of these things because your body doesn't have time to sweep that out. It's too busy trying to digest the bologna fucking sandwich you had for lunch. You know what I mean? And then, and then we have children, and we're eating all these chemicals while we're pregnant with them. And then we give birth to them under fluorescent light, and we push against gravity in a hospital. And then the baby comes out, and then, oh, well, the mom doesn't want to breastfeed because, you know, that's too hard. So let's buy, you know, processed white powdered formula and let's put it in a plastic bag and heat it up in the microwave and give it. And these poor children from the time they're born, their immune systems are just shot. And when you really start thinking about things in that way and you start looking at everything in that way, everything just starts making sense. You said it. Exactly. You know, it's amazing. But, um, well, I'm so grateful that I met you. I'm thankful that we're working together and really, you know, the tagline of our company is making lives better. And I just, it really sums it up. Wouldn't it be great if every company had that same slogan? Yeah, no, let's see how much money we can make off of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I'm like, let's, if everybody had a tagline and really meant it, mm-hmm. making lives better. Um, that's what we're about, and that's why I love this company so much, is you, the vibration of this place, it's just that we have a team of dedicated people that, honestly, I wouldn't want to be hooked up with anyone else. Like, this team of people loves the field they're in, they love the people they work with, and it's just... We're, yes, we are a business. At the end of the day, our goal is to make money. But it's so much more than that. Like, I feel like, I, I view Beecher as more of like a life enrichment program because there's so many things that we we could potentially utilize in our everyday life that just go under our noses. Mm-hmm. And CBD is just the first thing, in my opinion. Sure. And, you know, you can't make a significant impact without some sort of money. You know, I mean, it's like, unless you're Gandhi, I mean, you know, unfortunately we all can't walk around barefoot and change the world. Um, You know, sometimes you have to have some financial backing behind you to fund research, to be philanthropists, to make a better change in the world and um, have a little bit more leverage. And, you know, so definitely, you know, there's nothing wrong with making money, but there is something wrong when that's your only only goal in life and if you can make money and make lives better then I think that that's the ultimate ultimate goal for me anyway yeah it's about your priorities well listen it's late I've kept you late in this studio here in Los Angeles um, I really thank you for your time I thank you for your story I think that your story is inspirational and can help many others and uh, here's to here's to the rest of your life being clean and sober and changing the world Excellent. Sounds great. Thank you for having me and look forward to hopefully doing this again sometime. Of course. Of course. Listen, guys, if you want to check out our website, um, of course, you can go to BeTrueOrganics.com. It's B-E-T-R-U Organics with an S dot com. We love you and we're out of here. Bye-bye. You're listening to Fully Loaded with Julie Wilson.